hi, this is Jonathan Tweed. I was the lead designer on third edition. I've worked on a bunch of other games like Ars Magica and Everway and Over the Edge. And you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Sarah Brayfogle, a.k.a. DM Sarah, to talk about being a professional dungeon master. In the news, Flying Buffalo has been sold. WWE wrestlers are joining the D&D Live event, a free Adventures in Forgotten Realms tie-in adventure path, and the drama surrounding Ernie Gygax and TSR games. Plus, our favorite game in all the world, and a brand new sketch about the drudgery of being an adventurer. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Rat Catchers Guild. If you have a rat problem, and no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Hang on, that's the eighty. Hmm. <laughs> the Rat Catchers Guild... An expensive solution if you don't have a cat. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a complete delight to be here. You're not alone, Peter. You've got a guest. <sighs> I did, I did, all the way from the US of A. It is the one, the only, the fantastic Sarah Brayfogle. Hello. I'm Sarah. Yeah. I go by DM Sarah on the interwebs, and I'm super excited to be talking with you guys. Yeah, we understand, Sarah, that you are a professional DM. I am a professional DM. I've been doing that for about three years now. I'm super excited to tell you about it. It, it, It's really nice to have someone who's actually got some insight in the DMing for many, because previously I have been, quote, the expert, which is not... I was very expert. Yeah, probably, yeah. The only, the, only, the, only, the only experience of that we've had has been on the other end of it. So yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to hear from from someone who actually, yeah, uh, actually yeah. someone who who we know for a fact to be an extremely talented one. Um, I refer to the um, I, I refer to the work in the equipment chapter of Level Up. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm many. T- I have multi talents. Yes, we can talk about that a little bit as well, a little bit later. Well, we we could well. also talk about spell drama. It depends upon whether we can contain our I excitement. Mean, I'll, I'll always gush about spaceships in, in my D&D. That's yes. great. That's so fun. So. Spell drama. <laughs> spell drama. <laughs> Wait, was that go. spell drama confirmed for six edition? No, it's not. It's that um, one of my groups wanted to do something different, and I obliged. And now I have a lot of thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Yes, excellent. Let's do some RPG news, right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's leave the, um, the, the 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 more exciting RPG news towards the end. We can build up to it. We can work our way up to it. So yeah, yes, the more pyroclastic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so <laughs> let's start. <laughs> so let's start with flying buffalo games, shall we? Oh, that rings bells. So I don't, I don't flying buffalo name. games. So they yeah. are the oldest current RPG company. Oh, okay. Unless you count TSR. But that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different beast. <laughs> so, uh, they, they launched like the year after D&D launched in the 1970s. Oh. And they produced a game called Tunnels and Trolls, which was yes. kind of like a rival to D&D. It was literally like 75 or something. Yeah. And D&D came out in 1974. And they've been operating ever since. So, they've, yes. they're like, what, nearly, nearly 50 years old. That makes mm-hmm. sense, doesn't it? No. Yeah. They have been sold. 
apparently. Oh, After nearly 50 years. Really? To a mysterious undisclosed buyer. Oh. oh. Nobody oh. knows who it is. So... Not, not uh, me. I didn't buy it. It's yeah, not I didn't you. either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've noticed it's it now. Three Did you buy it? <laughs> oh, okay, right. <laughs> I can confirm it's not Hudson either, so... Well, that's four. That's four people who have not bought it. Well, that knows them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the company itself started in 1970. Yes, um, by Rick Loomis and Steve McGregor, who created mm-hmm. a computer program to run a play-by-mail play-by-mail game called Nuclear Destruction, like mm-hmm. way back in 1970. Yeah, before any of us ever existed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 1975, they reached Tunnels and Trolls yeah. as a rival to D and D. Rick Loomis died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the current CEO, Steve Crompton, mm-hmm. is who announced the sale. Mm. On the, and literally, it's just one like cryptic note just saying that it had to be sold to an undisclosed buyer and no details, no more information, nothing. That's it. Well, I mean, like, I'm not trying to be mean, but considering his likely age, it's probably he maybe even think about winding stuff back and take I it back to And re- running, running, a, running a company is quite a lot of work. Is it? Oh, is it not? Okay. Well, there you go. You has confirmed. Um, in publishing, it's really easy. <laughs> so, um, where was I? Um, yeah, so the, um, if, if you did want to get some of Fry and Buffalo stuff, some of the Towns and Trolls stuff, you should get them now because apparently they the end of the month, or very soon, they are going to be removed from Drive Through RPG. Oh, wow. And they are yeah. apparently going to go out of print forever. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Wow. That's the new company's intention. Uh, that's a terrible course. intention. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I that mean, should be archived. Like, that's that's historical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like stuff that's been selling for the past, uh, let's see, that would be 20, 30, 51 years. No, less, no. around about 40, 45 years, say. Stuff that's been selling consistently for 45 years. I don't know. I personally wouldn't sell that. I'd be like, this is great. <laughs> well, and Dragon yeah. RPG is so low effort to yeah, keep I mean, your products even with, on. Like, even why? The Coast is, is like selling um, old TSR stuff mm. on Drive Through RPG these days. So, you know, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. But I don't know. I don't know what their plans are. Perhaps it's just like a fake out. To get people to buy lots of stuff. Maybe it is. Maybe That's like evil mastermind type yeah. stuff. I mean, it would probably work, but you'd burn so many ba- bridges. Because if I yeah, went for it and then I learned that, I'd be like, man, are you serious? That's, yeah. a, that's a real Lex Luthor type plan, that. But then they could bring use the funds, bring out Tells and Trolls 7th edition. Ooh. Uh, it would actually have to be something like 10th edition, I think. Okay, I think it's yeah. on its 9th edition. Oh my goodness. Is it on 9th edition? There you go. Something I mean, like that. I mean, after almost yeah. 50 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, technically, because that's kind of counting a load of different things. Like they mm. licensed it to Fiery Dragon Productions in the early 2000s, and okay. they pr- produced some kind of anniversary edition. And mm. there was a French edition, which they're counting as one of the mm. editions too. And so I don't know how, okay. you know. Yeah, yeah. So, because t- like D&D 5th edition isn't the fifth version of D&D. It's something no. like the eighth or ninth as well. So mm-hmm. depends how they count it. Okay. But anyway. That was Flying Buffalo Games. Shall we also talk about some Star Trek? <sighs> Star Trek? <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. That's about spaceships for us. That is about spaceships, Woo! yes. Um, so, Modifius is Star Trek. Yes. Which I still have yet to play. I'm really gutted. Oh, you still should. Still have that game. I know, I want it's to. It's a good one. Really, it's really I fun. Uh, do, do you know the system, Sarah? Yeah, so I was on the f- cancer roll dice. Am I allowed to... 
House on this? Yeah. All, right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's in the name. So I was on the yeah. Cancer Roll Dice Star Trek stream, which mm-hmm. we were using the Modifia system. And it was, mm-hmm. it was great fun. They have a really cool mm-hmm. thing, which I, which I pinched for Spelljammer, where <laughs> you, uh, you build your ship sort of as you play. And it's sort of assumed that, yeah, you have a ship, but you don't know where everything is because you just got on board mm-hmm. the ship. And then as you mm-hmm. go and play, you sort of actively develop, oh, well, this is you know, this. So that was, I really liked that. It felt very organic. Yeah. yeah. It's a good yeah. system. You should play it. Yeah. I, I'm such a big, big Star Trek fan. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got to play that game at some point. You've got to. Okay. You've got I've to. got to play that game. Yeah. 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 Well, I, but anyway. I know a couple of people. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> there's some news we get related to it, which is why I've been just like randomly bringing it up just to tell you how much I like Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you could have. I mean, you could have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they have news as well for us. Oh, yeah. Day. Woo. Yeah, so they've just put out another free adventure called Anomalies. <gasps> oh, because the last one they did, that was the Klingon one, didn't they? Uh, no, the Klingon was a hardcover source book. Uh, hard hardcover source book? They did bring out a free adventure for them as well, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe, maybe they did. Oh, I, don't, I don't remember, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, so, these are like, they're, they're like sta- standalone adventures, which could be like combined into like a, a mini campaign, or you can just play yeah. them as one-offs or at a convention or at a, oh, whatever. Okay. A, a bit yes. like uh, if you play D&D, tell, tell, Candle Keep or Tales of the Yawning Portal, that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that sort of thing. So um, this is, this one's set in the original series time period. Nice, nice. And it puts you in an area of space claimed by the uh, Kalak Hegemony. Okay. I forget who that is. Um, and your ship loses power and begins taking heavy damage while uh, while the Kalak hegemony attacks you. That's awkward. Don't yeah. want that. So it's like twenty four pages, and mm. you can uh, you, you, you can pick it up now. Mm. Exciting! Fun! Yeah. For yeah. adventure, uh, hard to be. I mean, yeah, yeah hard, hard to argue with that. <laughs> I have to check that <laughs> based on that alone. Really solid price, I feel. <laughs> it's a good price. So there's a, a new adventure anthology coming out from Wizards of the Coast next week. Ooh, exciting. It's um, to promote, you know, they did that um, Magic the Gathering expansion. Yeah. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. yeah. That sounds just, like, just recently. Yeah, yeah and there's like a mm. hamster in it or something. Yeah, my players so, are talking about it. I don't, I don't play magic. But. No, 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 I've, I've literally oh. no idea. It has, it has cards. I know that. That's all I know. It has cards, and apparently, yes. and sometimes those cards are really expensive or something. Oh, the collectible card game has cards. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you were saying this. Um, yeah. So, um, Wizards of the Coast next yes. week is released on Tuesday, June the nineteenth. Yeah. Yeah. They are releasing a adventure anthology, five adventures, yeah. all for character levels eight to ten. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's going to be a free download. Ooh. Uh, uh, each adventure is kind of like 15 to 20 pages long. Mm-hmm. And this is all to sort of tie in with the Magic the Gathering uh, D&D expansion set. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's next Tuesday. So that's, I, don't know, I don't know if they're all coming at one go or whether they're coming separately. I think mm. it was at one go, but I'm not 100% sure. But the first one, at least, or all of them or something, is happening on Tuesday. Well, it's rare to find like eight to ten kicking around, uh, but yeah, not a, yeah. No. I like I like that it's higher level. Mm, mm. Barely I mean, scratching it's not like high level, but it's yeah. not quite high level. I was going to say it's scratching the surface of what higher level can be, but it's <laughs> yes, better. It's probably yeah, it's four to six again. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's not yet another one to three. Yeah, indeed. Yes, because I've played a lot of one to three. Yeah, yeah. It's good to practice yeah. training wheels. 
<laughs> yeah. So, wrestlers playing D&D. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you seem very sad, happy about this, Sarah. <laughs> I just, it just delights me that, you know, for so long, D&D was like the nerdy hobby, and now it's oh, like, oh, right. yeah. And the wrestlers <laughs> play it, too. Like, that's just such an absurd yeah. blending of fandoms. It makes me very happy. So this is the D&D Live thing, which yeah. is in July. And last week we talked a bit about how Jack Black and Kevin Smith and people were going to be um, playing a game of D&D Live, oh, which is pretty awesome news. I, I, I mean, that, 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 that DM's going to have either the best job or the worst job. <laughs> yeah. Both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 So, so that, that, that DM is Kate Welch from um, oh, yeah. Wizards of the Coast. Okay, um, so, so this is another game that's taking place at the same event, and this one features a whole lot of wrestlers. Okay. So the DM of this one is, uh, let's have a look. Um, uh, I'm going to pronounce this name incorrectly, because I always pronounce everybody's names incorrectly. It's just that is your way. an inability of mine. Uh, um, Arbria Ianga, the DM of Critical Role's new Exandria Unlimited show. Ooh. Which launched last night, I want to say, I yeah, think. Last couple last of days. Night. Yeah. yeah. So um, that, that's going to be featuring Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. I don't know wrestlers, unfortunately. So um, Xavier Woods, mm-hmm. Ember Moon, yes. Mace, all in caps, mm-hmm. and Tyler Breeze. Right. And so they're all so, wrestlers. They're all, uh, I am led to understand, wrestlers. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're into DMD, wrestling, and are listening to this podcast, and congratulations to you personally. You are excited, and we're here for you. Woo! <laughs> That's got that Venn diagram. It's got like one person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, anecdotally, I've heard that um, like, there's quite there's a lot of uh, wrestlers that play D&D. Oh, yeah. It's... So, um, it is basically D D is a is a bit of a fantasy, and wrestling, as I understand it, is quite performative. Did you just it's, say D and D is a bit of a fantasy? I did a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Peter states the obvious. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what D and D is a bit of a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, right, shall we get on to this big big news? Oh, if the we TSR news. Okay. Are you braced? Are you ready? Have you got your asbestos flame-proof fire retardant suits on? I've got my tea. Does uh, that count? I believe the person that we're about to talk about, we should put some context in. They played D&D when they were very young. They've invented a wizard, which even made its way into into the spell list of D&D. So that's pretty cool. Um, they've done a couple of Kickstarters, one of which has delivered at least some of its goals from, I think, 2016. And the other of which they did launch into 2020. Uh, in March, so you know, no, no one's really mm. expecting anything out of that. And I don't know, do they have any books or blogs that I'm unaware of? Uh, well, so let me let me sort of like do it a bit more I, chronologically. I, I, I'm just so, putting this Titan of the role playing yeah. industry into context. Okay, so you're talking about Ernie Gygax, who is one of oh, Gary yes, Gygax's um, sons. Gary Gygax yes. was the co-creator of D and D and yes. co-founder of a company called TSR yes. back in the 70s, yes. which is the company that launched D and D back in back in 1974. So. Yes. Ernie Gygax is one of his sons. Yeah. So, recently, and by recently, I mean the last few days, uh, um, press releases started to appear saying that TSR is back. Now, TSR has been defunct since the late 90s, mm-hmm. when it basically went broke. Wizards of the Coast bought it, 
mm-hmm. and along with the company bought D&D mm-hmm. and then Wizards of the Coast relaunched D&D with D&D 3rd Edition, which is like 2000, 1999, 2000. Yeah. So that's kind of the history. So uh, TSR hasn't been around since then. Yeah. So in 2011, a guy called Jason Elliott noticed mm-hmm. that the TSR trademark had lapsed Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast had let it lapse. They weren't using it, and they were branding everything Wizards of the Coast. They weren't yeah. using it at all. It was, you know, it was, yeah. it was defunct. So he snapped it up, the yes. trademark. He registered the trademark. Mm-hmm. He got Ernie Gygax and Gary Gygax's other son, Luke Gygax, mm-hmm. and between them, they launched a magazine called Gygax Magazine. Yes. And that was like 2012. Yes. Sorry, there's quite a lot of history, to, but it puts all this into context. Yeah, yeah. So... 2012. This Gygax magazine lasted a couple of years. Yes. Then Dale Gygax, yes. who is Gary Gygax's widow, but not the father of uh, Luke and Ernie, uh, got into a legal dispute yes. with Luke and Ernie Gygax and Jason Elliott, who were running the, the, the new TSR. Which let's call that TSR 2. So TSR yes. 1 was the one in the 70s. Right. TSR 2 was the one in 2011. Okay. Um, and Ernie and Luke Gygax reached a settlement with Gail Gygax and were forced to leave TSR 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, TSR 2 was forced to stop producing Gygax magazine. Right. But still exists to this day. I see. Producing Top Secret, which is a spy-themed RPG. Oh, yes, yes. I've, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. So it still exists to this day, trading under the name TSR. So that's yeah. TSR 2. Still yeah. functioning company, run by yeah. Jason Eddie. That's really confusing. I'm confused just talking about it. Okay, yeah. So, it so even more complicated. <laughs> there was an OG TSR, then uh, someone nipped in, grabbed TSR, and turned it into top secret, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. they couldn't use the Gygax name yes cool. yeah because, yeah yeah because there was a big dispute about using Gygax's name yeah and there's all sorts of weird lawsuits around it <laughs> yeah. you should have just been yeah. named Jones or something really so this week a press release dropped yeah um it kind of dropped really quietly it was on pr.com but there was no fanfare about it it wasn't sent out to news sites it wasn't you know it was really kind of like a stealth press release drop it just appeared and it, someone noticed it it's, is, that, is that not like the complete opposite of how a press release should work? I don't know. I mean, well, well, I mean <laughs> well, it depends, I think, right? I think by the time I finish the story, we might agree that the press handling of this high, entire event may not have been optimal. <laughs> 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 wow, we're really pushing the limits of British understatement to like, beyond their theoretical capabilities. So, <laughs> so this say. press release announced uh, TSR is back. TSR is being rebooted. There is there's a website up with things like the band wait, are getting wait, sorry. back together. Uh, I'll, I'll probably tell Has TSR two stopped trading? No, TSR two is still trading. So it didn't go away. So How who's behind back? this press release? <laughs> TSR <laughs> so, two or the guys? So many questions. Press well, release. Sorry, we'll, we'll this yeah. is a yeah. TSR three. Let's call yes. it TSR yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> this is run by Ernie Gygax, okay. uh-huh. formerly of TSR one and yes. formerly of TSR two. Yes, or Dale got involved of TSR three yeah. and some other people. But Ernie Gygax is the person we'll mainly be talking about here. I think. Uh, yeah, so, um, only going out to some other people, but, uh, this press announce, um, press release appeared saying TSR was back, the band's back together, the old TSR that you know and love is finally back, and we're gonna bring back old school gaming properly. 
you know that sort of that sort of announcement. Yeah, do, do these people not have the internet? I'm I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Ultimate uh, Game has been back for some time now, and TSR hasn't gone away. But okay, right. sure, press release. Yeah. So, okay. everyone's yeah. saying, how does that work? There's already a TSR. There's already a TSR 2. There, there's is, already is a lot of old school game out there. They've got yeah. their own and, got, and everything. So, and, they've, and they've got the logo and everything. The old TSR logo, which is the letters TSR in a kind of staggered formation nestled into each other. I don't know if yeah. you remember that particular logo. They're using that logo. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, everyone's sort of like, how? How does that work? We don't understand. So yes. everyone's like jumping on the trade um, trademark databases to mm. try and find out what the hell's going on. Yeah. So it turns out that Jason Elliott yes. of TSR2 made a clerical error last year, mystified mystifying day, and basically didn't re-register after ten years because um, oh. to keep registering, you do it ten years. Oh. Didn't re-register the TSR trademark. Which and so, in the same way, which yeah. he had registered along with the participation of Ernie and Luke Gygax, remember, back in 2011. Yeah. So they knew, so, and they sniped. And they were they were on board of it as well at the yeah, time. Yeah. They were, you okay. know, they were part of that endeavour. Yeah, yes. Like it's not, no, nothing was snuck past there's no, them. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing behind their backs. Yeah, yeah. It was all, they were they were involved yeah. with that company until Gail Gygax forced them out with a For lawsuit. Now. Yeah, it's all there's an awful lot of acronomy sort of with all that kind of let, let, family. Let, and, let's leave the events of a decade ago to moulder in the past for now. Yeah, so, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so basically, so someone nicked oh, in and so so uh, so Ernie Gygax yes. and partners yes. snapped up the just uh, lapsed TSR trademark again. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and created a new company. Yeah. Which we'll call TSR three. Basically, they're all just called TSR, but um, we'll call yeah. it TSR three for, for the purposes of clarity. Yeah. Yes. yes, and they've announced that they are launching a couple of new games under this banner of TSR three, which has a whole load of the bands getting back together, and we've got Larry Elmore to do this, and we've got so and so to do that, and and I, I feel so- the word "new" in that sentence may be doing a lot of lifting, like. A lot of lifting when we're talking about a nearly 50-year-old game. Right, we're talking about two games. So one of them is called Giant Lands. So Giant Lands was a game co-written by James Ward, who also worked at TSR 1. He wrote this about two or three years ago uh, in partnership with another company. I got so many people involved. In partnership with another company, it was kick-started two or three years ago. Yeah, uh, and somehow this is now being sold by TSR three. Okay, because oh yeah, James Ward, Stephen Dinehart. Mm. There's a there's a Giant Lands Kickstarter which was estimated for delivery in February 2020. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah that's the one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, that is their flagship product, okay. Giant Lands. It's yeah. a sort of old school sci fantasy big hardcover game. Okay, I don't know an awful lot about it other than that. It's um, well, I, I do like mixing magic and technology. And yeah, yeah. In some ways, the separation of magic and technology into sci-fi and fantasy yeah. always made me look sad. But so that yeah. that is by uh, a few people. One of which, one of whom is James Ward, yes. who worked for TSR One, yes. who co-wrote this new Giant Lands, who yes. has since posted on Facebook to say, "I don't know anything about TSR Three. Oh. <laughs> That's exciting. I'm not involved with TSR three. I am not part of that company. I am. I, I wish them all the best, whatever. But I don't know anything about it. I, I feel this really needs like some sort of sound effect at this point. Possibly <laughs> like, 
you know, like a. Wah, wah, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're yeah. going for the direct piano music. I'm just going for the. Oh, you're going for the sound depletion. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, apply. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's find let's find out. <laughs> it, is it dramatic piano music or a sad white white noise? <laughs> So, um, the implication here is that the company that he co-wrote uh, Giant Lands 4 has yes. licensed it to TSR, but he didn't know anything about that. But I'm assuming that's all legal and above board, but he wasn't involved in that. Yeah, it's probably more of a wah, 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 because that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, they're kind of using his name quite a lot in the promotion. Um, if, if you're leaning on his name, probably, yeah. I, you should I, I would have said, hey, James, excellent news. We're going to give that game you wrote a bit of a boost. How about it? Uh, and that would have made him quite happy. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. as it is, he's like, ah, oh, I ain't never heard of it. So <laughs> <laughs> like the other game that they announced. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> TSR 1 produced a game called Star Frontiers back in the early 80s. Okay. It was a sci-fi, Star Trek-ish kind of thing. It had, uh, set in a galaxy, which may or may not be the Milky Way. You know, ray guns, yeah. stuff. Yeah, there were stars, so, there were frontiers. Where it's vaguely D twenty esque. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, no, that was a percentile system. I think that one. Percentile. I believe. Okay. I didn't, I never, I've never played it, but as, as far as okay. I understand, so those games like over forty years old at this point. But yeah, it's, it's an old game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is a game. Yes. That is which that still is a game because <laughs> it's still being sold by Wizard of the Coast on Drive Through RPG. It's not currently supported, but all the old stuff, they're still selling it. They're still using it and selling it and yeah. you know, profiting off of it. Mm. So, the trademark for that one lapsed yeah. a few years ago. TSR 3 spotted this. There's a trend emerging. <laughs> oh, no. Swooped in and registered a trademark for Star Frontiers. The, the trademark which Wizards of the Coast, for the game that Wizards of the Coast is still selling. So, they swooped yeah. up the trademark for a company called TSR, which is still in operation, selling yes. Top Secret, and a trademark yes. for a sci-fi game, which Wizards of the Coast is still selling. Like, actively, like, I can... Actively, yeah, it's literally on Joy 4 right like, now. You can I go and buy it. Go, go buy it. I can. can. Right now. Yeah. It, it's it's $28 words. for uh, yeah. multiple fire file formats and a hardcover book. Exactly. Like, very exactly. selling it. Exactly. That, that sounds like an excellent deal, yeah. yeah. Uh, Honestly, so, yes. But, yes, but, it but but the, but the word new, as I identified earlier, that does seem to be doing a lot of work here. I'm not yeah. sure it's maybe le mot just. It's uh, not maybe the right word to use uh, at this so, point. So they sort of announced this on Facebook, and they used yeah. the artwork and cover of the original Star Frontiers, the, like with the, the stuff that TSR One produces, which of the coast now owns. Yeah. This is such a so confusing. I, I get confused myself. We need one of those like you know like so, uh, so, like so detective you, shows where they have the the whiteboard the, the thing with all the yeah with all the bits of string just going. <laughs> to- uh, yeah. Although I'm thinking maybe one of those FBI like mob boss hierarchies, yeah, or something like <laughs> might, that. Yeah. Might be more appropriate at this point because yeah. it's like that doesn't seem like a very ethical thing to do. Well, mildly like, illegal if Wizards of the Coast owns the copyright to use it for... Well, is it like, so yeah. they've got the trademark, but not the copyright. So the difference between right. trademark, of course, is trademark is the yeah. name or branding. Sure, the but if they're using the art for yes, Star Frontiers, exactly. that's a copyright, that's copyright issue. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 Right. So, there, there is an artist who is not being paid. Yeah. That seems... Yeah. 
Sorry. At least. I mean, they've just used that in their announcement. They're not yeah. suggesting that they're actually going to use it in the in the new product that they're going to make, which right. is apparently a reboot of Star Frontiers. Right. The reboot of the game is still being sold. Cool. Yes. Right. The reboot of the game is still being sold. Um, yeah. uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? Anyway, yeah. so that's yeah. kind of the history so far. That's kind of brought us up to date. It's almost. It's confusing, and it seems... Morally, if not legally, questionable to me. So there are three so, t- TSRs. There are yes. two Star Frontiers. There, yes. are, <laughs> there are three Gygaxes involved. Uh, yeah, multiple Gygaxes, oh. yeah. Throughout the history. So, well, well, uh, a cluster of Gygaxi, I think. Yeah. Is the <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, right, so <laughs> I'm exhausted now. Sniping copyright of Wizards of the Coast, which, like, you know, seems... Mm. And then sniping mm. copyright off your mate who is still running the company. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jason Eddy. So yeah. various people have said things. So I'm going to get onto the big Ernie Guy yes. interview in a minute. I promise. Oh, and I'm, that, is, that is where it gets okay. kind of don your flame retardant suit. But before I, we get yeah. to that, before yeah. we get to that, they so Jason, talk about him. Okay. Well, yeah. That was news. <laughs> and we are news. So Jason Elliott, uh, he registered that TSR trademark in 2011, as we said, launched Gygax magazine with Ernie and Luke Gygax. The two Gygaxes left the company a few years later after Gail Gygax forced the closure of Gygax magazine. TSR 3 swooped in on the TSR trademark this year. Um, Blah, blah, blah. So uh, Jason Elliott tweeted this. So he says, we have owned the TSR trademark since 2011. Mm -hmm. Last year, we missed a filing date. And mm. another company registered it. Though yes. we are still using it in commerce. Yes. While we could win a lawsuit, we frankly don't have the money to litigate. So yes. we're licensing it back from them. They're Ooh. charging him to use it. So, huh. wow. so he missed a filing date in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm. Someone took advantage of this and is now very kindly licensing back to them. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. In the Ernie the Gygax interview, which we'll talk about in a minute, he talks a little bit about this as well. So, I'll just see what he said. So, uh, he was asked about that other TSR, and he says, the other TSR is a licensee because Jason Elliott let it lapse. But he had absolutely love for the game and the products. There was no reason to say, oh, you've screwed up. Oh, it's all ours. Ha, 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 ha. Instead, Justin Lanassa, who was Ernie Gygax's partner in TSR 3, uh, came to him and said, we love that you're doing top secret things. We have a much broader goal for the whole thing. There's no reason for you to stop or even have any troubles. Justin said, I'll take care of the paperwork. You just give me $10 a year and you put out all this love for old school gaming that you can. So they're licensing it back to him for $10 a year. Well, that's what okay. the guy who nicked the copyright off him, sorry, the trademark off him says, yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that just, it's just kind of petty at that point. Like, it's no longer, I don't, assuming that it is $10 a year, I no longer feel like that's exploitative, but it's still mm. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, given the fact that presumably Jason Elliott and Eddie Gaiax are, are their friends, because they both founded a company called TSR 10 years ago to make a magazine with, are they, it seems like a funny thing to do. It, it would be something, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's certainly a decision that has been made. It's kind and, of like, Mm. It's kind of like if this podcast ended mm. today, Peter, yeah. and then in 10 years' time, you noticed that the trademark 
to Morris had somehow lapsed. Not that there is one, but if there was one. And then you picked it up. And then after having spent several months registering it, gave me a call saying, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention several months ago, uh, you managed to let the trademark to your own name lapse. So um, I've picked it up, but you can pay me for its use. Don't worry, it's only $10. It's kind of a bit odd. It is odd. Yeah, like, I mean, it's one of those things which is legal, but again, just seems... Well, kind yeah. of a dick move to me, but yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, d- I don't want to prejudge it, but yeah. Okay, so the idea is to take TSR and make it a much broader application, apparently. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. By, by, by grabbing old properties and reissuing them? But they can't Without reissue Telling the designers in some cases. Yeah. Rebooting. Yeah, yeah. Rebooting, yeah. Rebooting, rebooting, yes. And Darklands. Yes. Okay. 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 Have you got your flame retardant suits on? Are wait, you wait. ready? We, we, we haven't got to the bad part yet. The, no. Oh boy. All right. Yeah. We're, we're, we've I been just... wading through this, this, this swamp of like business chicanery and we still haven't got to the bad part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll get a helmet. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Here we go. So there's a YouTube channel. It's called mm. Live from the Bunker. They interviewed Ernie Gygax this week about the mm. new TSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I it's an hour and a bit long so mm-hmm. I decided to watch it and I transcribed the relevant parts of it racked it up on my website mm-hmm. and then everything exploded the internet exploded right and now you're about to find out why the internet exploded <laughs> mm. okay uh, so I just like transcribed it you know it's you know I, <sighs> okay it's, it's, there's quite a lot of bits of it to go into, so I don't know if we can go right. into all of it. I mean, I mean how? Uh, what was the overall impression of this ninety minutes? Was it like a rant? Was it a press release? I mean, covering it, your butt. So it was a conversation yeah. where yes. Ernie Gygax was asked various questions. So it was, it was an interview, uh, but it, quite a casual. Him? Um, I don't know the guy's name, but he runs a YouTube channel called Live from the Bunker, and it's kind of old school gaming type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, yeah. I understand it. I mean, this is the only interview of theirs I've ever seen, so I can. Yeah, yeah. No, no, done, no context. This is their episode number 277, so they've been around. Okay. They've been doing stuff, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, okay, so, asked a number of questions. So I, I kind of divided these quotes up into various topics. So the first one was, why a new TSR? So his reply is, TSR has been gone. There's a ton of artists and game designers and people that play. Imagine all this in an American accent, by the way. This is... Doesn't sound like the best interpretation. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll just imagine Accents. like you're like the actor that was. Accents are one thing I do not Jeremy. do. I just yeah. can't do that. Anyway, no. uh, and recently they were dissed for being old-fashioned. They were what? possibly anti-modern trends and oh. enforcing or having the concepts of gender identity. At which point he laughs. Oh, so we're doing that kind of a thing. Okay. So that's, 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 that's where we start, yes. I, I, I'm confused. Well, oh, yeah, a lot of people were, Peter. A lot of people were, yes. What, 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 is, what is the problem? I mean, what, people were insulted about their gender identity? or Having the concepts of. Yes, yeah. He's, he's saying that people are being forced to have the concepts of gender identity. I mean, don't. Have to have a concept of it, but uh, it'll just... make understanding things a lot easier because 
it it's like it's a thing that people use a lot because it uh, okay, so, okay so he didn't understand it or he he finds the idea that you might have such thing strange or um well yeah i'm not, I'm not gonna read his mind i can tell you what he said i'm reading what he said yeah I'm, I'm just trying to understand what on earth he's talking about because it seems quite frankly he's confused um but yeah yeah anyway sorry yeah, yeah. Uh, i um, this is kind of like uh, the trans community on Twitter has yes. become understandably, you know, very concerned about that statement. Um, well, it just seems like a bit... I mean, the, the most charitable interpretation I could put on it would be it's like really misinformed and yeah, a yeah. bit stupid, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Crack a book. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So... Uh, then, um, let's have a look. So then he goes on to talk a little bit about Gail Gygax, wills and courts and stuff like that, which right. we briefly on touched that. on earlier, but we don't need to. Court case from 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Go into yeah. He talks a little bit about, about, about Top Secret, which is the game that, um, Jason Elliott is producing with TSR2. Yeah. And reveals yeah, so, that Top Secret yeah. hasn't done very well. Wow. That's a bit rude. Which thing. I don't think it was his place to, to reveal, but he, that's what he said. Right. I mean, if they weren't friends, before he basically yeah. nicks the trademark, um, after saying, "Oh yeah, and your game's a bit rubbish," seems a bit, you know. Yeah, just kick so, a mile down. Yeah. 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 So, so when he was asked how involved he was in TSR three, yes, he says uh, he's involved with it with two other gentlemen as well as many other volunteers. Uh, I he thought says, they might be gentlemen. He says, "Think." It did seem likely. It's funny how that happens. Have a lot of ladies involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, he goes on to describe the gentleman. Uh, he says, think of this like an old British club where, you know, ooh, we sit around with our cigars. Does he understand that's not a good thing? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I mean, he does, he does understand that that's like something that we in Britain will often take the mick out of for good reason, to represent out-of-touch people who are extremely rich. Mm-hmm. Although I don't suppose we could really apply that to any uh, guy can we? Anyway, yes. Anyway, right. On the TSR trademark. Yes. He says, the TSR logo trademark was found in the dirt by mistake. <laughs> we were just looking for a dungeon wow. hobby shop, all that sort of thing. And Justin found, waiting in the corridor with the carcass of something, I couldn't quite make out what he said, this treasure. And instead of saying, like a thief, I'm pocketing this, he said to Jeff and I, we have found this treasure, let's make something of it. But uh, he was part of the initial filing. So yes, yes. the idea that he did not know that when it was going to lapse mm. feels like a stretch to me. Yeah, yeah. To me <laughs> no matter too. his poetic description of finding it in a dungeon, like, honey, no, you you were as much a part of this as yeah. everybody else involved. Do you, do you not remember, Annie? You were there. <laughs> <laughs> you had your name on the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, he was then asked how many original TSR people are part of this new TSR. Yeah. He didn't, a lot of people have asked this question because Jim Ward said he knew nothing of it. Um, yeah. basically, yeah. So he's, he didn't, he didn't answer the question. He kind of said, well, it's an ever expanding list as we go along. And it's not like you're hired on a wage situation. It would be more like royalties. So basically freelancers. He's talking freelancers. So, right. um, 
freelancers that he's proposing to pay in royalties. Yeah. Oh, we, didn't volunteers. Volunteers. we heard volunteers. And volunteers. Yeah. volunteers. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly what you should do. You should volunteer your labor to work for free because that's, that's how the RPG industry works. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he says that they have Larry Elmore on uh-huh. board. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's a iconic D&D artist, a Dragon yeah. Arts artist I mainly know him from, but you know. Yeah. Um, but that's basically the only name he said. Right. So I couldn't, I couldn't say who else they've got. Or who else they've yeah. approached, or who else they're trying to get. Um, okay. I don't know who else will be willing to work with them after this interview, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the phrase showing your ass is definitely a thing that springs mm. to mind here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Right. He then talks about Star Frontiers. Right, which is the trademark. The one that's still being sold. Mm. Under- the, the, the game that's still being sold. So there's Star Frontiers, which is still being sold, but he's got the trademark for it. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. It would not be the same game. It would be a complete remake, sadly, or at least enough, as they told my dad when they did second edition, that I'm sorry, you don't deserve any royalties from this because we changed it more than 10%. We're just a small company. We're definitely not going to bat against Wizards of the Coast. That would be a stupid move. We'd just lose. Right. Well, that's a, certainly a heady mix of reality and fantasy there, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. So, so he's, trying, change- he's trying to evoke sympathy for us. They're going to change it more than ten percent. He's a little guy who okay. these big companies here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> there's worse. There's more. Okay. On cooperating no. with Wizards of the Coast. Well, this isn't good. This bit. You're going to wince at this bit. More. Um, he was asked whether he might cooperate with Wizards of the Coast or like Star Frontiers or something like that. Yeah. I don't think Wizards of the Coast is likely to cooperate with him after what he's about to say. So he said, <laughs> "I would hope so." But they just put out a big disclaimer recently, trying to divorce themselves from the ethics and style of play that was involved in the origins of the game. They're basically trying to say we're a better company and a better type of person than those of us who started playing. At least that's somewhat of the impression they've given. And please switch over and be part of the new wave. You know, join the pack of lemmings. Oh, yeah. Wow, this is going to take some heavy decoder. Did you did you bring your cryptic decoder ring, Sarah? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, I, what? So basically, this is anti. <sighs> this is uh, Wizard of the Coast sort of uh, general move towards yeah. inclusivity. Is I'm assuming he's it. referencing their like anti-racist statement and yeah. their like yeah. untying of racial ability yeah. scores yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah. So they put yeah. they put that uh, disclaimer on all older TSL products on Drive Through RPG, haven't they? Yeah. Okay. And things okay. like that. Okay. So that's what. Oh, he's is this like sort of Disney puts uh, this is a product? This of is its a product time. Of this time. Yeah. Okay. So basically, their, yeah. so basically, what, okay. he's, what, what he's saying is this move by Wizard of the in recent years to move yeah. towards inclusivity yes. is um, kind of like joining a pack of lemmings. Okay, you know what I did bring is my world's tiniest violin to play for. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Please, please uh, give us a quick serenade so, so forth. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Uh, please, listeners, if you, if you can't hear it, it may be due to a it's, it's too small for my mic to pick up. But <laughs> I know, I know, sad times. But, but I, I, I appreciate it. So he, he goes on and he says, as so, the so, so he's is- against inclusivity and would like to see less people playing the games. Okay. So he goes, the problem is my fighter returns antagonism for antagonism. So that's where we start getting into some difficulties. And I'm going to have to throw a protection from evil up. And he says something else, and then he says there, and at the end of the party, hopefully someday I'll be able to throw a fireball. 
mean? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think he feels attacked. I think. I mean, again, I can't speak for him. I can only tell you what he said. Right. But I think he feels attacked by statements of inclusive inclusivity, which he thinks attack the what he calls the ethics and style of play that he embraced when he was younger and still embraces to this day. And he's seeing this as an attack, uh, as antagonism, and he's responding to it with antagonism, I think, is his meaning of that. But is his fighter, is he a character, does he think, or...? A fighter who can cast fireball, apparently. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Eldritch Knight. So yeah, Eldritch Knight must be. Yeah. Time. He must be at high level, surely. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't think I they were first. Over I, don't think, edition, I don't think they were first edition no, Eldritch Knights. So. <laughs> oh, so maybe it's some sort of multi-class. Is <laughs> yeah. that even a thing? Mm. I mean, anyway, yes. Third, he could, but mm. that might be too mm. new. For That's him probably a bit too, too modern. Yeah. Yeah. It's only twenty years old at this point. It's basically still an untried system. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so this person who has maybe made a game or whose modus operandi seems to be to wait until somebody makes a clerical error, Pick see the trademark, then license, license it back, and then maybe make a game and potentially make a Kickstarter. Have they actually contributed anything to role-playing games over the past? Tensor. Tensor. Tensor's Tensor. Tensor yes. is his name, Ernest. An anagram yes. of his name. Um, I, I he, 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 has, he, has, he has worked on products over the years. Um, I'm going to talk about one now, which is called the Marmorial yes. Tomb. So this was what? a few Marmalade. years ago. I think it was what? like Marmorial Tomb. Marmorial Tomb. Marmorial Tomb. Marmorial Tomb. Okay, right. Okay. Not Marmorial Tomb. Not Marmorial Tomb, no. Tomb. So, okay. this is something he was a Kickstarter he was involved in back in 20, I want to say 2017, 2016, 2017, something like that. Yeah. Which to this day has not yet delivered. Love that. So, so I, I mean, it's only been five years. Yeah. I mean, on the So, he was, he, asked, on he was that. asked about that. Pretty, yes, so, yeah. And he, like, uh, he, oh, he yeah, comments, yeah. yes, he did crowdfunding on something called the Memorial Tomb, yes. uh, which they're just starting to deliver five years late. Yes. Um, he says uh, he brought in an artist. He says the, the reason it's five years late is because he brought in an artist, a man of great talent and more ambition than possibly foresight at the time. So it sounds like he's blaming the artist for, uh, for it being five yes. years late. Like, I couldn't stand five months late, maybe. Yeah, so... That, that would make sense. But so five years? Like, plus 60 yeah. months. So he says he's, they've received years of hate from some people about the memorial tomb and its lateness. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that he he now has a burned hand from Kickstarters. He then he's goes the one with the burned hand here. He's he's got As a burned hand. The people who give him money it. and he's not. Well, because some people complained yeah. that, he, that he hadn't supplied the product. Okay, which he, hadn't, hand, which so. he has not in fact done. He's not in fact supplied the product, and they complain about it. Yeah. So, so that's burnt him. Okay, yeah. cool. And then he he, he, uh, complains that um, the reason that Kickstarter's work is not just the money they bring in, but you don't get all of it. Maybe 7 to 10% of it gets stolen by banks and other people because that's why they do this crowdfunding thing. They say, oh, yeah, great, we'll handle your money, but it's gone. Transaction uh, fees. 
the standard of... Yeah, so Kickstarter charges you about 5%. Early Gygax is complaining about people stealing things off. Yeah. Them. Okay, cool. So, cool. so Kickstarter yeah, charges you about that. 5%, <laughs> which is made up of transaction fees and Kickstarter's own fees. So it comes to about mm-hmm. 5%. So. Which, which no one could possibly know about. It's a complete surprise to yeah. everyone. Yeah. 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 It's not written down anywhere, is it? Oh, wait. Maybe the terms and conditions. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so he says um, something, blah, blah. I can't make out the words to that bit, but he says something about making about $64,000 out of 125 or whatever they started with. Uh-huh. It was down to 113 or something after Kickstarter peeled off their top. Um, right. He says, I've wasted money on some accountants. Um, I've got a gamer accountant now to help, and governments. And some people say, oh, you've got to pay tax on this. And, oh, no, we didn't have to. The federal returned some money. The state said, you give me money. So, yeah. Are you kidding out, me? It turned out he had to pay taxes. So. This man just worked out that if you have untaxed income, you have to pay taxes on it. Only the center of every freelancer's life. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I must say he sounds like quite the businessman. Mm. Oh my God. A, a keen, a keen commercial awareness is like definitely words that could be used to describe him. Possibly also with completely lax, eh? But anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what he's saying is it made a load of money and a load of the money disappeared to Kickstarter's fees and transaction fees and taxes. Uh, I mean, who, who could have predicted that turn of events? So basic, basic overheads, wait, wait. Basic overheads of running a crowdfunding campaign that everyone has to, yeah. Well, you know, his real problem, of course, is that he didn't listen to our podcast because then he'd known all about this sort of thing and he would really <laughs> check that sort of thing in the files. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so he did, he did, so he, he basically set it up, didn't set his goals properly and then was surprised when he had to pay for the things that were entirely predictable. It's yeah. not like the poor people nowadays, like I've got a Kickstarter guy who's writing to me who is writing these beautiful emails where he's explaining the global shipping crisis mm. with references for everything. It's fantastic. It's like, I'm loving these updates. I mean, I'll get my models eventually. I'm fine with that. But it's yeah. like, they're, they're fantastic reference things we can check and find out. So I, I found out all sorts of, I've learned about logistics. It's, it's I, I, I really should be giving this guy money for education. I'm not going to, but yeah, I, I really should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally, one last quote from this yeah. interview. Yeah. So this is just uh, generally on D&D 5th edition. Yeah. Uh, he says, 5th um, edition to me is kind of like drinking a light beer where you could be having a Guinness. So he's not a fan of 5th edition, basically. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I imagine this confuses people who prefer light beer over Guinness, but yeah. the, I guess the idea of yeah. people seeing things differently than I do prefer Guinness over light beer, but completely. I'm also like, yeah. if you really want to make, like, Guinness is good, but mm-hmm. he's American. He's had it yeah. from a can. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Anyway, so, um, that's it. That's, that's the interview. Well, that, that, wow. yeah. that's, uh, there is more to it if you want to go and sit and listen to the entire hour, but that's kind of like the... I- Oh, don't God think that. I do. <laughs> yeah. After after these snippets, I don't think that's yeah. a good I, use of my I, time. <laughs> I, 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 I do wonder, after what we've learned about his clear stance on ethics and moral probity, why anyone would want to return to what he considers the golden age. Because, I don't know, I'm like, wow, what what, what are you people doing in the 70s, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, so- know, if, like, this sort of, like, shady dealings is like your go-to standard like taking your friends and you find your uh, trademark claim on fine your trademark claim on time therefore we're going to have it and we can license it back to you oh and while we're talking to other people just say that the games you produce are rubbish i mean that seems very rude 
I mean, it's a mixture of ignorance. There's so much ignorance going on. Oh, just going back to that Kickstarter that uh, is played years late, he was asked about that. Um, and he says, um, because, you know, whether or not they might do crowdfunding in the future. Yeah. He just wants to clarify that that Kickstarter was individual. Uh, Stephen Deinhardt is a licensee and my friend and I'm part of it, but it's not TSR as a company. So, (laughs) so it's the same people, but that was the individuals and TSR is a company. It's a different legal entity. So if, if they do, if TSR does kickstarting, it yeah. doesn't count that the previous one doesn't Does he understand that people know that companies are made, are made of people? people. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe he's, um, maybe he's back to like his tax complaints because they're taxed differently. Like that's the most charitable <laughs> interpretation of that that I can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he's covering his ass. Like it really does. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. There we go. One fun packed well, interview with uh, with Ernie Gygax. Yeah, I, I mean, it's sort of like really more sad rather than anger-inducing. Like, it's just this guy's been struggling to be relevant for so long, and this is the best he can do. Oof. Yeah. Damn. I feel just so, I feel really sorry for him. Poor guy. Anyway, um, I mean, he's 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 still pretty awful, which is definitely a choice. Yeah. But yeah, goodness. But those Ooh. those statements are not the statements of someone who feels happy and fulfilled in his mm. life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm meeting antagonism with antagonism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I cast fireball. Okay. <laughs> 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 That probably is most of the news for the week. Actually, that pretty much et up all the news cycles for the last two or three two or three days. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name? Oh, go on, then. It's such a fun game. It is, in fact, the (laughs) best game in the the entire world. I've done a survey, I've done a survey, 100% of people, 100% of respondents said it was in fact the best game in the entire world. That was, was that you, Russ? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Survey yourself. Yeah. The statement I just made is not inaccurate. 100% respondees said that. I stand by. Moving swiftly on. Yes. So, um, Sarah, should we let Peter go first so you can see how it's played and then... Uh, yes. Okay. So, Peter, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Okay. What is, my body is a cage? Ooh. It's a good title. I like the title. That is a very strong and indeed evocative title, which I would expect to see more on a book. You know, I think maybe this is a game about disabilities. Um, And, or should it be about disabilities? Hmm. Um... Yeah, no, I'm going to go with that, because that's sort of like the first thing that uh, springs to mind. And it feels a bit like we had Pink Cloud the other week, which was helping people uh, adopt the 12 steps into a gaming format. Mm-hmm. So this feels like a probably quite a simple game, rules like, and it's basically uh, helping people understand about the challenges that disabled people face to access Hmm. because actual um, 
the problems that most disabled people face are due to having to deal with the um, inaccessible boundaries that are put into place by society and dealing with that. Mm. Um, yeah, so rules like quite small, um, around about the $15 mark. Mm. So, no, it's not that. Oh. Not to sound like a cool product, but it's not that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what, is it? what this is, is a dungeon crawler oh. set okay. in your dreams. Okay. So you dream of a dungeon, mm-hmm. and it's full of traps and treasure and obstacles and stuff. Yes, yes. And then in your dreams, mm-hmm. you you, you uh, go through you go through that dungeon in your dreams. Is this oh. like lucid dreaming, or is this like a narrative oh. convention? Uh, have we got an Inception thing going on where people are trying to break into someone's dreams to find this out? I think it, I think it's literally a dream. Yeah. Uh, so okay. so is, it, is it is it duet play? Is that what we're looking at? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I'm just scrolling through the Kickstarter page as it is. I think it's a regular yeah. RPG. Um, it's produced in landscape format, which is interesting. Oh. It's a book, but produced yeah. in sort of like a, a, a landscape format. Dungeon crawling takes place at night in your dreams and functions as you are imagining it right now. You can think of it as a persona-esque thing. These dungeons exist within the minds of your friends and family. Here you go. Well, that's presumably a reference to the Persona series of computer games. Uh, maybe. Um, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Okay. What well, was Persona capitalised? Yeah. It's the big hint. Yes. Yeah. So that would be it. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, yeah, huh. that's what that is. It's, uh, it's, uh, Kickstarter is um, it's funded. It's got five days to go. So you're going to get it on this one pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you can pick up the PDF for $20. Or there's a hardship version. If you can't mm-hmm. afford the standard price, you can buy the hardship PDF. It's $10, and it says it's up to you whether you qualify for this. Okay. And it's, that's, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like pleased to see that more people have bought it at the 20 than the 10, so people haven't just sort of oh, used yeah. that as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. Nah. And yeah. then $40 for the hardcover book. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you got that it was a rules-like game. It does look like a rules-like game. So, I'll give you a point for that. So, one point out of ten, Peter. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. So, oh, there's points involved. All right. There are points involved. My game. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 scoring is, the, the scoring is harsh. <laughs> I'm not going to say but fair, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> Spreadsheet never lies. There's a very, very complex scoring system. There's a spreadsheet. There are algorithms. There are many, many factors to consider, but the spreadsheet never lies. (laughs) (laughs) So, so are you ready? All right, I'm ready. So this is called... I like like the name of this one, too. Synthesize. Sharpers in the dark. Synthesize. So it's like a colon. Yeah. Yeah. Sharpers in the dark. That is very okay. So, based on the like synth piece, I am assuming this has some like tech or like futuristic, or maybe even like ah, we'll, we'll be creative. We'll commit to like sort of like an eighties style futurism where it's all like very neon-y synthesized. And then sharpers in the dark makes me think. I mean, is this a blaze in the dark hack, possibly? This is um, a poker face. So I'm not giving anything away. Okay, just because the in the dark. I mean, it's not. Totally unique, but it's made me think. Um, so that, that'll be my guess, is that it's a, a Blades in the Dark hack um, with an 80s futurism vibe. And Sharpers, I have no idea what Sharpers could be. Sharpers could be uh, some kind of... I mean, it brings to mind, like, criminal elements. Like, oh, I'm a Sharper. Like, I... Like, Shark or, like... I don't know. 
I'm, I'm spitballing here. Um, yeah, we'll <laughs> say it's an 80s futurist Blaze in the Dark hack with criminal underworld elements. <laughs> we'll see what that goes. So, um, yes, it is Blaze in the Dark or Forged in the Dark system. Yep, uh, yes, it is basically kind of grimdark cyberpunk. Okay. Which I think is what okay. you're kind of describing there. Yeah. Um, so th- there's this, there's an element you didn't get, but I don't quite see how you'd have got it from the, uh, well, synth- what does synthesize mean? What's the I word? would say it's murdering an artificial life form. Right. Probably a oh, yeah. synthetic, like a, like you get in Blade Runner. Yeah. Okay. It's like the opposite hmm. of that. So it's a universe where machines oh. are now the highest form of sentience and killing a human is no longer a crime. Whoa, wait, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not okay with this. <laughs> and uh, you are a sharper, and these are basically mercenaries that will basically be paid to kill anyone. Okay. Okay. So, Assassins. Yeah. Okay. So, why side It's kind of like the machines are paying to kill people. I think. I guess I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe other machines. Yeah. I mean, that would be homicide, but yes, well, yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, that's yeah. synthesize. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's, that's what that is. Um, it, uh, it has three weeks to go. It's about two-thirds funded. Ooh, nice. uh, you can pick up the PDF for $10 uh-huh. or the print version for $15. $15 that's cheap. Ooh, that is. Oh, it's, it's one of those cheap. you get a coupon to buy it at cost yeah. things. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Gotcha, that's gotcha. why it's cheap, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's that. Uh, so, um, Sarah, I'm going to give you nine points out of ten for that. <laughs> All right. Go Sarah. <laughs> don't worry, it can all change on a dime. <laughs> can I lose get, points for really bad guesses? Get, you can get like a million points if you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I think Russ has decided to stop assigning minus infinity points because that was uh, affecting the stability of the space-time continuum. Yes, the spreadsheet gotcha. couldn't handle that. Okay, so Peter, this one. This it's one's, more of Excel, really. This, yeah. one's, this one's a little easier. So I think the name is probably going to give give it away. So it's going to be about how much detail you get, right? Good. <laughs> so this one is called Lawman, colon, and then after the colon explains exactly what it is, but you can yeah. probably guess. So the key question is, is that L-O-R-E or L-A-W? A-W. Ah, okay. Oh, wow. Um, I feel that they may be... So, look, so I've just got Lawman to work with, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. Have fun. Okay, so Lawman. Hmm. I feel this is probably a uh, Western setting, um, or at least a Western-inspired setting. It's definitely got a frontier aspect to it. Um, I feel that it's probably not straight up cowboys, uh, etc. So I think maybe, you know what? I'm hoping for a science fiction one. Um, in, yeah. So let's see who, who, what is the lawman? So who is going to produce a game which is about playing, uh, okay. So what you are is you are, um, a group of law enforcers. And, um, you are dealing with the contradictions between the, um, presumably overbearing dystopian state that you work for and your own humanity and trying to, uh, work from there. Um, it's not frontier. Uh, I don't think this is for fifth edition. 
Um, but what would what would do something like that nicely? Uh, I don't know, maybe something like Cipher or something like that. Maybe Genesis. I I, I don't know. I can't. I can't, I, can't, I can only give you so much off a lawman. Okay. Yeah. So you're not a million miles away. So it is a sci-fi. Twenty thousand years in the future, you are yeah. hunting criminals. Okay. Uh, it's tongue in cheek. So you <clears throat> you kind of portrayed it as kind of more of a sort of slightly. I don't know, philosophical kind of look at the tragedy of the human condition, I think, with some of the stuff you were saying there. Mm-hmm. This is very much a tongue-in-cheek RPG. There's 800 billion planets. There's a free quick start of the game. Um, it's an original system. And the entire title yeah. is Lawman, an RPG of bounty hunters and shooting people for money. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, so right, if so you're that, a saying, what the tagline is, is. It basically does what it says on the tin. I mean, it sort of goes, but anyway, no. <laughs> I do. I like. I'm going to show you this one because I like the cover of this. I'm going to stick a link in the uh, in the chapter so you can see the cover. There we go. Because yeah. it's got this black cover with this grey silhouette kind of design of a like a sheriff's star in the middle, and then like the cockpit yeah. of a spaceship sort of thing. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's sexy. So, the, the, the cover is definitely getting a lot of work done because. Uh, it says, holy uh, effing bejesus, lawman. Mm. Role-playing game about intergalactic bounty hunters and shooting people for me. Yeah, okay. That, 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 that's, that's good. Oh, wow, they've done well, haven't they? Yeah, they've got like a snazzy trailer and everything. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they've done, what, nearly £10,000 off of £1,000 goal? Peter, yeah, you did, did right there. I'll give you 7 out of 10. Woo! Which gives you a total of 8 points so far. I must say, I do approve your deciding to keep things in the double-digit range. <laughs> you never know what will happen next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, just, it just means that when you're trying to do the maths, it does work yes, out a lot yeah, better for yeah. you. <laughs> um, so currently, sorry, you have, I believe, nine points. I do. Yes. To Peter's eight. Yes. Which means all you've got to do is not score minus one points. Oh, no, I'm going to do it, aren't which I? Is, which is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Go big or go home, Sarah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is unfortunately one of those one-word ones, which makes it slightly harder. Yeah, okay. It's only fair. Peter got one last time. Uh, okay. This one is called... He does. Defiant. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. That's just oh. me. That is, that is hard. Oh, I say. I, 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 say. I, I, I gotta say, that is hard. That is hard. Wow, Ooh, Defiant perfect, could perfect. literally be anything. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get this, you'll get a million yeah. points because it's that hard. Oh it, it my god! Third, yeah. I mean, because I have nothing to go on aside <laughs> from defiant, so we know it's got some kind of rebellious or revolutionary streak. We can go with yeah. that because yeah. you're def- you have to be defying against something. Against something. You could yeah. do that in literally any genre I could think of. You can do that mm-hmm. in literally any format I could think of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just for fun. We will pick pirates. Pirates are good for defying things. And I have nothing else to go on. So we'll say it's pirates. (laughs) (laughs) We will say that this is a... I don't know what system it would be, because I have one word. We'll say that it's a game about pirates who are, you know... it, It doesn't have to be necessarily historically bound, but you've got the similar trappings of the golden age of piracy. You've got your oppressive empire. You've got your largely unexplored world. We've got your massive amounts of currency and valuables flowing through the systems. And you are 
playing as pirates, but you can't be just pirates without a cause, because mm-hmm. Defiant, you, pl- you must have a cause. So, mm-hmm. we are just... This is just the plot of Black Sails, basically. Uh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, that is, so hard not to laugh. So that is uh, that is an impressive and very well detailed guess. Completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, almost certainly, but like, I, 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 I definitely think that that would be a good defiant RPG. So that, yeah, uh, oh, so, it'd be a good game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. It's not. It is not that. (laughs) It is an urban fantasy RPG about the mighty modern-day aristocrats, the fallen angels, demons, ancient gods, and dragons. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Does it have a theme of like rebellion or revolution? I am. The player characters are the Defiant Blue Bloods, leading the supernatural society of fallen angels, demons, ancient gods, and dragons. They are powerful rulers. That sounds like the opposite of a rebel. All right. <laughs> With their <laughs> own holdings and faithful subjects. Yeah, it, it doesn't really have much of a rebellious streak. More of a nothing, uh, nothing. T- 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 tyrannical, crushing, oppressive <laughs> streak. They're literally nobles. Okay. So, welcome to the world of ruthless politics, demons from hell, extravagant parties, supernatural powers, apocalyptic cults, royal marriages, modern-day cities, blood feuds, reborn gods, aristocratic privilege, fallen angels, personal courts, and dragons. I mean, that sounds awesome. It does I'm sound not awesome. Lie. That yeah, sounds yeah, really good. Really cool. It does sound awesome. Um, it's definitely not the Golden Age of Piracy, but it does sound <laughs> awesome. <laughs> not even remotely close. Not even remotely close. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, you could set it in the Golden Age of Piracy, and you'd be the ones hunting down the pirates for stealing your stuff. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so, um, sadly, I cannot give you any points for that, much it's as I'd like to. I cannot give you any points. But you are still in the lead. You are still the winner. Oh, I think you're negative points. Yeah. 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 So, it was an awesome one. I really liked it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, Sarah, you get to get to uh, take home the trophy. It's a met- metaphorical trophy. It's a smug sense of self-satisfaction, and it's all yours. Congratulations. Hey. Love it. Love it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Jarek! Jarek! There's another darn dragon menacing South Botherington! They want you over there, quick sharp! Another one? Ah, you know, when I defeated the evil arch lizard of deepest doom, I thought it would be a quiet life, retire to riches and the adulation of the common people, but no. Hurry up, Jarek! Every minute you waste here is another human's home burned to the ground! Instead, here I am. Doing pest control. Look, according to the town crier, it's murderized Lesser Botherington's mayor. It's threatening to immolate the temple of light refreshment. A dragon here, a dragon there. Oh, Jarek, can you come sort out this bear owl, they say. Oh, Jarek, there's a portal to hell opening up for Basildon, they say. Get uh, your preachers on, man. Strap on your sword. Don your mighty helm. You must be away. Only last week I had to clean up three Tarasks, an Archdevil, and a Demonic Horse, and a Ladrin Necromancer, a party of drunken Bullrogs, and a Renegade Traffic Cone. 
And a mighty fine job you did too, Jarek. The bards sing of your victories and people talk of you in the taverns and alehouses. You're a national hero. National hero? I'm a bleeding janitor. That's what I am. Fixing this. Cleaning up that. Dragged out of bed to solve some poor village's demi-lich infestation. It never stops. Oh no! The dragon's been joined by another! Now there are two of them! <sighs> of course there are. Why wouldn't two great fire dragons drag me out of bed at 3am? I curse the day I ever stepped foot on the road to adventure. Jarek, Jarek, you must hurry! The two dragons are now winging their way towards Lord Botherington's castle. They surely plan to destroy it, or, or worse... I could have been an innkeeper, you know. I would still be in bed right now. Nobody waking me up and asking me to deal with a random plague of krakens. Plague of krakens? Really? Yeah, last Tuesday, Baldrum. Plague of krakens swarmed right across the realm. Well, the wet bits of it anyway. I had to miss lunch. It, it isn't, it's just not on. But Jarek, you are our only hope. You are Jarek the Bold, the hero of the Twelve Realms, the champion of the Iron Sword, the saviour of the Platinum Palace, the destroyer of the Platinum Palace, the reluctant rebuilder of the Platinum Palace, bard from the Platinum Palace, evoker of the Holy Scripts, defender of the Emerald Crown, tamer of the Greater Hamster, slayer of the Eternal Goldfish, cleanser of the Fourteenth Hell, liberator of the Accursed Waste, deliverer of the True Word, protector of the Obsidian Gate, and all-around decent chap. You must say blessed Botherington from these tyrannical lizards. Fine, fine, fine. But this is the last one, you hear? Tomorrow, I'm opening a tavern. No more dragon slaying for me. You can keep your princelings in distress and your planar incursions. It's the quiet life for me. Ah, you said that last time, Jared, and the time before. Well, I really mean it this time. I've had enough. In the future, I'll with one hand out quests. I might get some rats and put them in my tavern cellar. See how people like that. I'm sure they'll be fine with it, Jared. Now, are you ready? I've saddled your war badger. You can be there in under an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on my way. Come on, Bessie. Let's go slay a pair of naughty dragons. They'll give you a nice carrot. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool. Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top-secret, super-exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash Morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. 
Right, what should we talk about now then? Oh, well, um, I hear that Sarah also trades as DM Sarah as yes. a professional GM. Ooh. And that's like, you know, pretty exciting. Like, because uh, a lot of people like get very antsy about uh, professional DMs and like, oh, well, I'd never want anyone to charge, I'd never want any of my friends to charge me for a game. Mm-hmm. But I think that's sort of missing the point, really. It's like no one's saying that everyone who's running a game should charge for it because that's. That'd yeah. be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be extremely weird. And people, yeah. I think people get hung up because they assume that they're playing with their friends. Mm. Which, mm. yeah, no, I don't charge my friends when no, I no. DM. Yeah. I sometimes end up friends with people who I DM for, but that's different. It's kind yeah, yeah. of like, you know, if I cook for people, for my guests when mm. I have them over, mm. yeah, I'm not going to charge them. If I cook as a professional chef, yes. I'm going to charge yeah. them. And I still would not charge my friends, you know? Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what's it, what's it like on the other end of the table then? Being a professional chairman, how much hustling mm. does it involve? How much did it take to sort of get going? Was it a difficult thing to break yeah. into? Yeah, get going's the hardest part, honestly, mm-hmm. because you have to demonstrate that you're a good GM mm. and you have to get a group of people who want to play with you mm. together, which is the hardest part of any gaming sessions. Mm-hmm. It's not easier if you're charging. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. the way that I... Dude, is Roll20 has a really good looking for game system, so that's actually the easiest way to for me to advertise. And then I also use Twitter because I might as well. But yeah. honestly, the Roll20 looking for game system is where I got the majority of my customers, at least starting mm. out. And mm. then once you're established, I have, I have a Discord server where I keep track of all my customers. And mm. you know, someone might wrap a campaign or have to leave for other reasons. Mm. But then yeah. when I post, oh, I've got this new game open, although they want to get back in. So once you have that base of customers, it's a lot easier. But getting started takes some patience, right, for sure. Right. So, I mean, how long was it then when you started to do it before, say, you felt, right, now this is really working for me? <sighs> so I want a business. Uh, cu- couple months, I would say. Oh, so long. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so um, pretty quickly then, yeah. Pretty quickly. Well, and th- when I started, I was working with a company that facilitated that. And I've since left right. to go freelance, which yeah. I much prefer. Um, so that was helpful in that, you know, there were some people who maybe already knew the company, but I'm not sure that that actually counted for that many of my players initially. I think it was mostly mm. just waiting for the roll 20. Yeah. Cause the roll 20 listing doesn't pop stuff up super fast. And you gotta, it's like mm. you, you pick up like one or two players a week, mm. but by the mm. time you have four players, well, maybe one person's got mm. bored of waiting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it takes some time, but I'd say after about, Two months, three months, I was mm. I had enough players to fill all my games, and then mm. things just kind of s- started ticking from there. And because if someone drops, mm. now you suddenly only have to find one player, yeah, and that's yeah, a lot yeah. easier. So, so how many games do you? I mean, is it something you mm. do constantly? Is it like every day? Is it every week? How? Not every day. So I'm also mm. a full time PhD student. Yeah. So, I'm not trying to give up all my evenings and weekends. (laughs) I currently run three games and then I, three long term campaigns, and then I have the occasional one shot that I do as well. (laughs) So, that keeps it manageable and not at burnout levels, which is really important when you're doing this kind of work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's still, that's three separate games which you've got to, and obviously running a game isn't yeah. just like the however long a session is, the three hours, four hours that you actually run the yeah. game for. It's all the prep yeah. and it's all the, so yeah. it's, it's quite a lot of hours each of those three games each week, I take it. Yes. I'm pretty good at this point at prepping very quickly. Mm. Honestly, 
because I run my games through Roll20. Uh, honestly, the hardest part is the dynamic lighting, because there's no way to make that go faster. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I have a group of like map makers that I know will provide me with really high-quality battle maps. Mm. I have all the tools that Roll20 uses to make things easier, and where possible, even if it's a homebrew campaign, which... One is not, the other two are. Even if it's not okay. a homebrew campaign, I'll try and base it around an existing module because then I can mm. use their maps, yeah. their monsters, yeah. their dynamic yeah. lighting just yeah. to really shave off some speed of that up time. my prep yeah. time because yeah. Yeah. every hour I'm running a game, I'm getting paid. Every hour of prep time, I'm not. Right. So yeah. it's in my Definitely. best interest to make that as efficient as possible mm. so my take home is as high as it can be. Yeah. 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 So it's a bit like teaching, really. You Like the hours that you work. Yes, it's oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I also teach as a PhD candidate, so it's exactly like teaching. <laughs> so say, say I wanted, I and a group of my friends wanted to hire you to run a short camp, say six week campaign for us or something. How much? How much would that cost us? So it would depend on if you want to be in person or virtual. Mm-hmm. Since you're in the UK, I would assume that would be virtual. And then it would depend on if you want it to be homebrew or if there's a specific... Say you really, really want to run the 5e conversion of Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that was like, you're like, that would be great. Yes. Then if it's an existing module, it'll be 15 mm-hmm. per person and that'll be a three-hour session. Mm-hmm. So if you want longer, it works out to be five hours, $5 per hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roughly. Okay. And for mm-hmm. homebrew, it'll work out to be about $6 per hour. Mm-hmm. And that's just mm-hmm. to accommodate the more significant prep time that I have to do for a homebrew module. So mm-hmm. my standard sessions are three hours, and that'll be $15 or $18 per person, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I then set up on a subscription model. So it's literally just like subscribing to Spotify. Yeah. You yeah. can subscribe weekly or monthly. And if you do monthly, mm-hmm. I give you a slight discount mm-hmm. because that lowers my transaction fees yeah yes. five dollars right. an hour is pretty cheap it's, uh, it's a pretty good deal it's, it's the, yeah well, five dollars per person yeah but compare that to the price yeah. of a movie ticket for exactly. example oh, yeah, yeah. i try and keep it around around that range because which would you rather do go to see a movie or go play D for three hours well, depends on the movie yeah. <laughs> depends on the movie but like yeah. we're, we're at a reasonable uh, trade-off you know yeah, yeah. It, it seems like a worthwhile sort of price to pay really. <laughs> and do, do you just run a uh, fifth edition or do you do other systems as well i could do other systems i'm really only do fifth edition because that's where the majority of the interest mm. is so oh, if someone course, came course. to me and was like i'd love to run i don't know the Modifia star trek game yeah, yeah. like yeah all yeah. right great um yeah. <laughs> or like I, I probably wouldn't do something really really crunchy like i know one of my fellow <laughs> pro dms ran a pathfinder game mm. And ended Oof. up just being like, this is a more, yeah. it's just a really heavy system to run mm. on top of it's, everything it's else. more work. Yeah. yeah. More work, more prep time, mm-hmm. more. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'd probably start. And harder to run smoothly. Yeah. At, at, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're not being paid for it, I, I assume that if you don't run something smoothly, your friends are probably a little more forgiving than maybe mm. a customer yeah. would be, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So and, I, I guess it sort of depends really on how familiar you are with the if you're really, if you were really familiar with a crunchy system, you'd be happier running it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. but I'm pretty familiar yeah. with 3.5, or I used to be. Oh wow! And even okay, then, yeah. I still don't yeah. know if I would want Ooh. to run it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's just 
it's a lot hmm. more work behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. Whereas fifth yeah, edition is pretty streamlined and pretty grab and go, yes. and there's already a huge yeah. customer base for it, so that's big. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, so you said sort of basically five dollars an hour for if it was online. Hmm. So, if a group local to you wanted the same thing, is that the same price, or is that would that cost more? For an in-person actual... If it's in-person, then we're going to be talking a lot more about the kind of experience that you want, because that opens up a whole new can of worms. And I haven't Mm. done a lot of in-person events, because... One, it takes more work to plan and oh, to yeah, yeah. COVID. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there, there, there is that. Is that. Yeah. But then I'm asking questions like, okay, is this for a party? Right. You know, is this for people who know how to play? Because if it's yeah. for like, if it's your birthday party and you yeah. want to invite a bunch of your friends who don't necessarily play, okay, maybe we can work out a little mm. thing where I buy a big bulk bag of dice and everyone takes home a bag of dice as a party favor. Mm. Like there's things that we right. can do like that that's yeah. really yeah. Fun, and that makes it like a whole experience, you know. Am yeah. I in charge of supplying a map and minis? Mm-hmm. Like, what does this look like? So it probably would be more expensive, but mm-hmm. it's going to really, really depend on yeah. what your expectations are. Because if your expectation is, yeah, yeah I got some graph paper and some like mini dice for tokens, yeah. like, all right, cool, we can do that reasonably. And then yeah. there's transportation mm-hmm. of costs, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is there generally like an expectation of um, when? When you're when you're charging for it, do you find there's an expectation of sort of a higher level of quality or or maybe consistency or is there any what what are the expectations on you? I think the big one is consistency because oh, yeah. a lot of my players are either they're full time DMs who like want to mm. play like they're the forever DM who's like yeah, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. or the people who maybe they have you know a new child and they can't mm. necessarily leave. The child's, or they, yeah, they live in an they area. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Or they live somewhere where they don't know a lot of people, mm-hmm. or they've just never finished a campaign because groups always fall apart. When people mm-hmm. are paying, mm-hmm. groups don't fall apart because, mm-hmm. or it's at least way less common. People finish yeah. campaigns. Yeah. Because they've got invested Literally, literally yeah. more invested. <laughs> and they show up every week because yeah. they're invested. Ooh. And I think that people really, nice. really value that. Um, there's an expectation, I think, that I'll be a good DM. Mm. And, mm-hmm. but really one of the things that I try and focus on, rather than trying to be the DM who, like, does all the voices and is always perfectly prepared, because that's just, un- yeah, yeah. I-, I won't be. Weird. <laughs> I am a real person. I will not always yeah. be perfect. Yeah. But I try and focus on making sure that my table's an environment where you walk in, you immediately feel like you just sat down with a bunch of friends. Because that's yeah. something yeah. I can yeah. control. And people, yeah. I think people really appreciate that. And that sends people coming back. More than mm. oh, the DM does great accents. I don't do great yes. accents. <laughs> no, I don't, I, uh, I don't even. I don't even try. It. <laughs> so I think uh, we do. We do a sketch each week, and um, Peter does a few accents. So you've got you've got like a Welsh accent. You do sometimes. Well, that's good. You got a couple. You do, but I I literally have like three voices. I'm like an old man. Um, I, I have that. a sort of pseudo a pseudo Brian Blessed. Yes. And oh, I have my own voice. Basically, <laughs> the three things I've got. You've got your wizard voice as well. Yeah. Or is that your wizard voice? That's kind of the old man. Yeah, isn't that's it? right, actually. Okay, yeah. So right. everything, everything has to be uh, one of, or a combination of those three things. Yeah, yeah pretty much. It works well. Works well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever had any problems with like problematic players? And if so, how would you deal with that problem at the table? Especially given that they're probably strangers, people you don't necessarily know. So well. usually, problematic players read themselves out pretty quickly, which is mm. honestly really reassuring. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I had a way back when I got started, I had a player ask if he could meet me out for drinks. 
And when I was like, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He dropped like a session later. So like problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It gets a little harder when it's someone that you've been, and it's a new player. It's going to be like, all right, well, no, (laughs) like we don't have to do this. And this is against, I do have a code of conduct, which the last code of conduct piece is just, you know, don't be rude. And then I specify that, okay, like, and that includes you cannot be, like, uh, like, racist, transphobic, sexist, et cetera, you know. So, you know, if you break that, then I can be like, well, it says here and you're done. But what comes, what's more challenging is when eventually, like, you play with people for years, like any group of people you spend years with, you're eventually going to have some interpersonal conflicts. And I did have that happen in a a campaign that had been going for quite some time. They were on their second campaign as a group. And, you know, mm. we kind of had to take some time before the session and kind of sit down just as people and yeah. talk through, okay, what are our expectations for mm. each other at the table? Yeah. How have they, like, can we like, clear the air about how some of the ways that mm. they haven't been met and how that's made us feel? And, like, yeah. and it was really mature and great, which is really cool because I'm playing with a yeah. bunch of, like, you know, guys in their mid-20s to mid-40s who maybe don't, they don't, they don't always have these conversations mm. with each other. So it's yeah. actually mm. really, really wholesome. So yeah. in the so short sort term, of like a mediation, yeah. sort of thing going on as well. And yeah. I actively mm. chose not to mediate that because I was like, as the DM, oh. like I, ac- I have a different like role in this group. So one of the yeah. players actually stepped up and mediated it, which I was like, oh, "You're yeah. such a star." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I pretty sure I gave him in-game inspiration for that because I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, so if it's a short term, like a new player, then they're just just like any other thing. You're just like, "All right, you're not welcome here. Go." And if it's a long-term thing, then you got to have a conversation like an adult about it, and you work it out. Yeah, it's messy yeah. and it's human. Yeah. Okay, so so how, how did how did you get into this? Then? How did you, what was your story? How did you start? What what prompted you to charge for that first Ooh. session? So I was actually in Scotland at the time. I was in mm-hmm. Dundee finishing up my master's program at the University of Saint Andrews, yeah. and I mm-hmm. was super broke because I was in Scotland once. And I even got out alive. It was amazing. I was <laughs> so I briefly modeled in college, and I was looking, and I knew I was moving back to DC. So I was like, "All right, I'll take a look on the DC Craigslist and see like if there are gigs available." Because that's how I used to like freelance screen my gigs, yeah. which was a whole different exciting story. But yeah. and I see a listing that's I kid you not. Are you a pretty girl who wants to play games with nerds for money? Which I think I will remember <laughs> for the rest of my life. Because what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I guess, yeah. And so I click on it, and it's a listing for professional hiring professional DMs. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I can totally do this. Yeah. And so that was the company that I was with before leaving to go freelance. Um, so that's how I got started. Was I? I literally responded to an ad that had the sketchiest name. Right. Nice. I mean, it's Craigslist, like Craigslist talent gigs, you wade through a lot to get to Mm, actual opportunities. So I was used to Mm. it, but like, yeah. yeah. Wow. (laughs) So that's how I got started. Um, And then after some um, some payment disputes with that company, I went freelance uh, with some other people who had been with that company as well. And I've been freelance ever since. So mm. there's more admin, but I get paid on time, which is important to me. Right. Oh, that's always nice. Yeah. 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 Being paid on time does seem quite an important part of any business model. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm not paid on time, well, it's my own fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like being like, what, you've been doing it a few years now, mm-hmm. but 
when you probably first started doing it, was was it was it nerve wracking in any way? Was it intimidating oh God, in any way, yeah. or did you just jump straight in? <laughs> Hugely intimidating yeah. because I had right. played fifth edition, but it had been several years since I had DM'd fifth edition. Oh, okay, mm. yeah. So I was like, oh. <laughs> and that was really where my strategy of you know create an environment where we're all friends came from yeah. because yeah, it was like yeah. I can't. Like, I'm not going to know this system better than everyone at my table. Mm-hmm. That's never been true. I have some players mm-hmm. who, like, they know everything. And that's a strength at the table, you know, because they're respectful yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not going to know everything about it. But I'm like, also, mm-hmm. please don't hate me. <laughs> and as because most of my clients are men. So I was also, mm-hmm. you know, being a woman in a fairly male-dominant space, I felt, I did feel some mm-hmm. pressure there. But everyone mm-hmm. was lovely. Minus the guy who asked me mm-hmm. for drinks. Everyone was lovely. <laughs> and that was actually really reassuring, especially because it was built yeah. as like, oh, you get to play D&D with a hot girl. And they eventually took that off because it wasn't making a difference. Like, that was yeah. not recruiting people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank God mm-hmm. that's not recruiting people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was stressful. But it actually ended up being really, really great. And a large yeah. part of that is that my players are really, really great. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. But it sounds like you bring out the best in them, maybe. I hope that so. That would be a, <laughs> yeah. a nice thing. <laughs> Well, if you, if, if you, I don't know, it's sort of like the opposite of if everyone you meet is awful, then maybe you're the awful one. So if everyone you meet is lovely, maybe you're the lovely one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's some logic there somewhere. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I'm sure it does. As everything I always say ever. Yeah. yeah. So is, it, is this something that you'd recommend to people? Ooh. Is it? I mean, or what, what challenges are there that yeah. maybe people who are thinking about doing this yeah. might not have considered? I think the biggest, so I see a lot of people who reach out to me and they're like, I want to do this. Yeah. The biggest thing I always tell them is please run it like a business. Yeah. Because people go yeah. in and they're like, I'm a good DM. That's enough. Right. And it's not, it's right. not, you, you are in charge of people's money and you're in charge yes. of providing yeah. a service. And if you cannot do those things well and consistently, this probably yeah. is not the job for you, not mm-hmm. least because mm-hmm. when one someone has experience with one pro DM and it's awful, mm. they don't go back. So you're kind of screwing right, everybody yeah. else. Yeah, 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 so people yeah, need yeah. to be thinking about things like, well, really all the things that we roasted our, uh, our dear friend Ernie Gagax <laughs> for <laughs> taxes and payment fees. And how are you mm. even going to, are you going to be invoicing people manually on PayPal every week? Mm. Because unless you have a business account, that is what you have to do. Mm. So... <laughs> Are you going to pay for a subscription software, which is what I do, mm-hmm. to manage these payments? What are you going to do if you cancel a session? What are you mm-hmm. going to do if, you know, someone misses, but for a really legitimate reason, are you going to give them a mm-hmm. refund? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So running, running a game and running a business, obviously, are two, They're two different entirely things. different skills. Mm-hmm. And people get really excited about one, and they totally forget about the other. Yeah. yeah. I'm also the same thing about writers who mm-hmm. want to launch their own RPG company. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, do you want to be a game designer, or do you want to be a small business owner? Because yeah. they are two very, very different skill sets. They're absolutely mm-hmm. different skill sets. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the the business side of it is that do you kind of see that as a necessary evil. You've got to get on with it, or do you enjoy running the business? Is that an aspect of it? I mean, enjoy? I enjoy it a lot more than not being paid on time. Right, That's okay. what I will say. Um, <laughs> so it means to an end. <laughs> yeah, I don't think if, so, if you're someone who really enjoys writing up invoices, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> you could probably be making a lot more money than being a freelance DM. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite part, but I do. I mm. use a subscription software that tracks all my expenses, tracks mm. all of my income, and then mm. like 
it's very, very convenient. And I mm-hmm. cannot recommend the subscription model highly enough. I do do invoices for some players because they want to pay like, oh, I don't want to pay for the next 10 sessions all at once. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that saves me a, a bunch on transaction fees, so sure. Mm-hmm. But subscriptions are great because I set it and forget it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how, how many clients do you currently have? If it's not currently uh, playing, well, so I have five. Well, I have three sessions of five people each. So that'd be fifteen. Yeah, so fifteen. Clients, and then yeah. I've got probably. I mean, my Discord server has forty-two people in it, which and those yeah. are almost all people that I would consider potential clients at some point. Yeah. So those are people who they left because scheduling didn't work or because the pandemic mm. hit and they lost their source of income or they were in an old campaign and they didn't mm. transfer to a new one. Mm. All those reasons can be why someone drops off doesn't mean that they are never going to come back. And yeah. that's one of the big perks about having that way of staying in touch with them is mm. that that's, I know that they're a good player, that they're going to be yes. kind and respectful and that I would get along. Yes. And that they're interested in paying, which is already yeah. huge. And then yes. I cross post with a couple of other pro DMs for the same reason. You know, sure. the people in their Discord channel know mm. what the deal is, and they're going to be willing to pay. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. Um, but obviously, you have a lot of other stuff going on in your life as well. <laughs> you, your PhD, you're yes. an RPG designer, yeah. and things yes. like that. And so, this is kind of one of one of various things that you juggle. But is it? ever something you could think this is the thing that I could do full time or is that always going to be probably not and the reason yeah. for that is one because I do I love research I love being a PhD oh. student I want to be yeah. in academia yeah. yes. and a full time 4-4 course load and being a professional DM that might mm. get tricky yeah. That being said, it's the coolest side job I have ever had. <laughs> By a lot. By a lot. And I have mapped out what it would take for me to do it full time. Yeah. Yeah. It just got it got unwieldy. That's a lot of sessions, yeah. What I would consider doing is if yeah. I were to pivot to specifically D&D as corporate enrichment. So, you know, instead mm. of taking your group to a high ropes course, have them play D&D together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If some some of these modules will promote a strong sense of team play. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you know, you play for two hours and you have a conversation for an hour. Okay, like, what do we learn about each other's communication styles? About how we respond mm. to challenges? Okay. Yeah. About how we handle conflict as a group? Yeah, and yeah. sort of a two-hour play, one-hour mediated conversation that then mm. I can charge corporate development rates for. Yeah. That would be yeah. the way I would take it full time, I think, not running mm-hmm. sessions because running enough sessions to make rent in my admittedly very high cost of living city, I'd be running yeah. like 30 hours a week of sessions. Mm. And I feel like well, burnout would That's not hit. counting the prep time as well, yeah. is it? Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's getting into burnout territory real hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I just wondered because you, you do occasionally see these articles like online in sort of uh, some of the larger sort of uh, newspapers and stuff where they will talk about a full time mm-hmm. DM who is making it work. And I often, I often kind of wonder how. And the only way I can think of that it could work is if a lot of the games you're running are the same campaign. So a lot of your prep time is mm-hmm. you charge pretty much luxury rates. That's how I think yeah, most people make it work. Is you know yeah. you charge like two hundred dollars for a session, but you can yeah. show up with like custom minis and like the works. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. got to be really pretty fancy. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, which again has like a cost. It's basically what costs do they have in their life? Like so, if they live in a very low rent area or they've lucked into having possession of a house, mm-hmm. then you have that. a lot more freedom. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you just got to pay for regular bills as opposed to a mortgage or rental income on top. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then of course, if you can recycle things like, or you just had like, I don't know, you've been collecting many since the age of ten. And you have huge swathes of them. Yeah, <laughs> tiny little plastic people. You're probably well set, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah, those three D printed terrain stuff. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a luxury thing that you can then reuse, mm-hmm. but it's a big expense up front. Yeah. yeah. So Peter, you um. You um, hired a professional DM, was it a year ago or so, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, it was um, a year and three months ago. Oh. And that was for an in-person thing yes, yes. at well, your we, house? Well, we hired two professional DMs because uh, we were doing like, I wanted, I sort of wanted to play an epic for my birthday. Nice. Did they bring props and miniatures and terrain? Uh, yeah, and they, 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 were, they were pretty good. Um, we talked about it at the time, but they generally had stuff sketched out. They had some pre-prepared stuff. And one of the bigger things they had was a, it was probably about four or five foot long of battle map. So like regular A4 size and just like, but really long on a roll for a mm. sort of a great hall. And that was where the climactic battle took place. Yeah, so. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was overall it was an experience you enjoyed. I seem to oh, recall yes, you said. Absolutely. I run a guild of role players. I know a lot of people who will DM and, I DM quite happily as well. So it's not something I feel the need for, but absolutely. There's like a lot of people like who maybe they just like have one group. And then I think the big, the killer app for me for a professional GM would be if I'm a forever DM, be able to play with my friends. Yes. Mm, nice. Without yeah. having to DM it yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Huge. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, cause there's like a couple of people are that I, I never get to sit on the same side of the table as, uh, and I, I dearly love to. Um, yeah. Um, I get, actually, we should just bring to mind, uh, what's the smallest and largest group you would DM for? So I typically don't run under three because yeah. mm. then it's just a. D&D didn't work. It's no. just, it's just awkward for everyone involved. Mm. Um, mm. and it stops being cost effective for me as well. Mm. So I'll start. I won't start a new campaign without four, just because if one person drops yeah. and you start with three, then that's bad. But I'll run for three. Largest, I try and keep it at six for yes. like a one-time like event. Yeah. I could mm-hmm. run for more. I probably wouldn't go above like seven or eight. But that's mm. like when you're looking at like a birthday party where yeah. like, you know, you yeah. want to include all the kids or whatever. Yeah. And that's, it's just tricky because people don't get the, like, same FaceTime when it's a large group, no. and so they don't feel necessarily as included. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I imagine, I don't know if online, but um, face-to-face, the largest group I've run is something like eight or nine, and I found that mm. too much. Yeah. I think on Zoom, that would be oh. worse, it'd be harder yeah. on Zoom. It's easier for people to fall off, too. Yeah. 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 And it's, hard, it's, it, it's harder for people to see who you're talking to just by who you're looking at, some of the yeah. body language... Yeah. When, you get, when you've got a large group, becomes more important, I think. Like, uh, a lot of my gyming style involves gurning, um, as in putting funny, funny faces, and um, just <laughs> gesturing. Unless, unless you're gyming style, right? Just oh, yeah. That was... <laughs> I'm not gonna, like, it's, my, it's my communication style in general, and my, 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 my laptop camera doesn't like, you know, you, you can only see part of the waving hands and semaphore signals which I'm sending to people, so yeah, yeah. I do find it quite limiting. <laughs> it is it is limiting, but I've, I've adapted pretty well. I'm pretty good at catching myself when I'm like, it's about this big, and then I have to say it's about the size of, you know, a small beach ball yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So let's pivot over to uh, D&D design, because mm. you've got some uh, work up on the DMs Guild. I what, do. What products mm. might we be familiar with that you've, you've been involved with? Yes, so my name, my brand for my solo DMs Guild stuff is Dungeons & Gin, like the ginny, not the drink. It's my mm-hmm. usual okay. expectation. Um <laughs> But Dungeons and Gin sounds good too. Dungeons and Gin <laughs> sounds great, but it is not alliterative, which is what I was really going for. It was like something like DND, but like snazzy. And that started actually because I broke my laptop, which I needed a new one, and I didn't really want an $800 hole in my budget without, you know, at least a little something, something to start filling it. So I started writing what I thought I needed as a DM. So what most people probably know me for with that is the. 100 random encounters that are non-combat related. Uh, So these are specifically social or exploration encounters that's literally a two-page document with a one-sentence encounter that's designed Mm. to spark your imagination. Mm. So maybe you see a doll abandoned in the middle of the road. Okay. Uh, Why is the doll there? Who dropped mm. it? What kind of doll is it? But suddenly that's given the DM something to prompt. I love that sort of thing, because that, a sentence like that, can often work work out like half an hour of play. Yes, exactly. Just just dropped in, just as the players discuss it amongst themselves, trying to work out what's going on. And half the time, the DM, you've got no idea. You've got no idea. You don't have to. You can spitball off of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there have been some very, very successful Kickstarters just based off entire books, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, It's definitely a useful thing to have. Oh, I love that. I'm so useful, that sort of thing. It really is. I've got seven of them up right now. I'm pretty sure they're all Mm. at least some level of bestseller. I think the most most popular one is On the Road, obviously, Mm. because you're traveling, closely followed by the Urban Encounters. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, they're pay what you want, and that's a big... Mm. That's my most popular. And then I've got similar kind of drag and drop things. I've got a, you know, oh, they stop at a tavern. Crap. What tavern? What's on the menu? You know, because invariably someone goes in and is like, oh, like, what drinks can I order? It's like, yeah. Mm. Man, I didn't prep that. <laughs> so it's stuff like that that's designed to be really easily yeah. accessible and so it fit into everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's and it's DM also being yeah? yes, all, all in DM skills. Yeah. And if mm. for some reason you listen to this podcast in English, but you prefer French, they are being Ooh. translated into French by the lovely Quinn Jolinar on Twitter. Oh, did I not? Did I not mention it? Well, in a minute, we've got to start the entire podcast again and if- do it all in French. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason I'm not doing the translation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but they I did find the version hardest. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and there's a bunch of stuff like that. Mm. Just little, little drag and drop things that yeah. are helpful and useful. And then I've got a couple of co-writing credits as well on mm. a bunch of different things. Mm. So, one one of the things that you are involved with designing at the moment is yes. Level Up Advanced Edition. Yes. Um, so what, what what have you written for that? So I have been focused on the equipment chapter, specifically mm. the weapons and armor segment, as well as working on building out the exploration pillar, which mm. that one I worked with, on with a team. Weapons and armor mm. is kind of my baby. Well, we <laughs> and I love it very much. Weapons and armor just last night. We were doing session zero for yeah. a level up game uh, last I mean, night. A whole bunch of guys going, Yes, I had a ton Uh, of fun with that. I spent a lot of time on YouTube researching Mm. videos of like people actually using a flail to try and determine what properties it would have. So it's actually based Mm. on a lot of real world application of these weapons. And I hope people like it. I I, I really like what you put together. Um, I'm a big fan of Kit. And yeah, I think the stuff you put together makes a lot of sense. 
What would you say that your sort of most exciting innovations or additions that you've added to that chapter? I think the thing that I really like is the flexibility of expanding something that was in original 5th edition, which was that weapons have properties, Mm. and saying, okay, we can do things with that. Mm. It doesn't have to be as limited as original 5th edition said, you know, why isn't, you know, the ability to hide it, like, discreetly in your clothing, you know, the the Mm. dagger at the top of your walking cane, or the boot Uh. knife, like, that could be a property, too. Or your ability to trip, or the fact that... Armor and weapons made out of different things function in different ways. If you are using a bone club and it fractures, you're not repairing that. Yeah, there's a big old list of uh, different materials yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah. And yeah. bringing back things like, you know, cold iron should have a mechanical effect. That's mm. a classic piece of yeah. storytelling True. when it comes to the yeah. Fae. Yeah, yeah. Cold iron is always one of those funny things. It's like, is it a fictional magical material? Is it not? Is it, you know, it's kind of like... Kind of yeah. is. It's kind of a trope yeah. in yeah. fantasy stories, but it's not really a real thing, is it? Right. Uh, well, and then what I did to make it a real thing is I looked up mm-hmm. alloy- iron alloys, yeah. which yes. are real things. So I yes. believe I wrote that cold iron is an ally of iron and phosphorus and mm. uh, steel... Mm-hmm. Uh, silver-plated iron is an alloy of steel and iron. So it's still something mm. that can actually function as a weapon, but it's things that have been folded into the metal. So it's a lot of ways yes. in which this is actually based in tangible, real-world yes. things that I hope will add a lot of realism yeah. and depth to people's fantasy when they get to play with it. Because <laughs> so, so it actually makes it, sense. It, if you like D&D and you're interested in the Advanced Rift Edition and you're also a blacksmith, we've got you covered. Yes. That's what we're saying. Yeah. I can't promise they'll actually make good weapons, but it's something that could like plausibly happen. And that, that's make fun. Fun sounding ones, yeah. Fun sounding if, if you have to fight a werewolf, at least you'll have a silver sword to do it with. Yes. So if um, I'm a so if I'm a, a fifth edition player, I've been yes. playing fifth edition for five or six years. Yes. And I've picked up a level up um core rule book for the first time, the shiny big hardcover book, and I open up yes. to the equipment chapter. What what to me as a fifth edition player is going to be the big. Ooh, I think the, big, the biggest thing that stands out is the inclusion of zeitgeist weapons. That's because mm-hmm. that's something that's not like a lot of those things are not even remotely in fifth edition. But what I really hope stands out is that there's just so much more variety. Yes. Yeah. There's so there much more variety. more variety. And yeah. I don't think this is the first thing that people are going to notice, but once they start building their character, I think it's something they're going to really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Every weapon does something different mechanically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Distinctly, oh, yes. there is. I don't yeah. think a single situation in which a weapon is mechanically identical to another weapon. I think yeah. that's yeah. I think that's one of the things that we said very early on in the process, mm. which is one of the things that I've seen said about Pryvy so often is that a lot of the weapons feel very yes. similar. Well, that's because they're the same weapon. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, the same weapon. Well, yeah. The difference between a similar and a short sword is, I don't know, 10 gold pieces or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we kind of decided that from the outset that we wanted each one to be. You know, even, you know, there's nothing massively different. I, I mean, it just has to have something about I, I don't it's know if it's enough. going to make the cut, but I'm hoping it does. It's the quick draw property, which lets you throw an additional weapon. I hope because, that does make the cut. Yeah, uh, because, be- because I got, I got to say, like, try and make a throwing weapon character. You can't in, do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you, you can. You, you can, just but it's... Any good at it, yeah, you're going to be having a good time. <laughs> I literally... <laughs> yeah. The quick draw... Mm. Mechanic was something that I was like, I must include this because it's something mm. I homebrewed for a monk who wanted to throw um, little throwing yes. daggers, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
shurikens. And he couldn't make it work mechanically. Well, and still be a functional character. So I was like, yeah. yes, you know, you can throw... You need, you need the rule support yes. to do that. Yeah. yeah. You need yeah. the ability to draw more than one thing and then throw it to make your multiple attacks. Hmm. Nothing else works. So that's why the quick draw property is in there, just because it solved mm-hmm. a really legitimate issue with yeah. the original fifth yeah. edition. Yeah. Um, it's you, it's you very interesting. <laughs> you mentioned the exploration pillar as well you've been working on. What, mm. have you, what have you written for that? Yeah, so that was... What did I do? That's been a minute. Thank God for being in it. When was that? Since then. <laughs> well, I've been like really in. Um, I went. I took a break from weapons and got really into exploration, and then I mm. kind of went back in and wrangled weapons. Yeah. So the really cool thing that I'm really excited that we've created is is exploration challenges, which are mm. designed to work kind of like a monster would in terms of they have CR. They have mm-hmm. penalties, they have size, they have all of these things that allow you to just take an exploration challenge and whoop, right into your game. But they're designed to really flesh out that exploration pillar that's been so tragically neglected. So you're looking at things like, okay, you're walking along and there's a landslide. Mm. Ooh, well, what has happened here? Or maybe you're really high level, you're walking yeah. through the astral plane and you stumble across the corpse of a dead god. That's possibly my favorite one now. I it's like that really one. good. Yeah. It's like yeah. ribs reaching to the sky, a feeling of dread. Like, okay, tell me your players are not going to spend ages exploring that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be great. And it's not going to be combat. That's something that D&D has not done well in a while, if ever, honestly. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any other previous time when it's been this mechanically supported. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I worked on was working on how to randomly create your setting from mm-hmm. scratch and really working on how can terrains intersect with each other and how can they flow in an organic way. So even if you're randomly generating your setting, you're not just going to go from... Arctic to desert. Arctic to desert. Something that makes no sense. You're not going to have one side of the city that's super hot and one that's super cold. There's some logic to it and where those things do happen. Because sometimes it does happen. And it's like, huh, all right, well, now you have to work out, okay, maybe it's an Arctic desert and that's a thing. But really figuring out how to make these things make sense, even if it's Mm. as simple as I roll a bunch of dice and populate a hex map and we're done. Making mm. that work and making that be interesting and engaging and yeah. exciting yeah. to explore, that was a lot of fun to write. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Mm. I am super excited about how the exploration pillar, because that's, I think that is the biggest, probably the biggest thing yes. that this game does is fleshes out that exploration pillar. And it's probably yeah. its biggest selling point, I, I think. Well, Maybe, I mean, there are yeah. other things, but. I, I mean, think- looking over the past like, year or so of Kickstarters, a lot of people are taking a swing at it. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people, so a it'd be nice to have it all, all part of one integrated system. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. add in that, yeah. you add in backgrounds, you add in how mm. we've reworked the classes to have meaningful decision mm. points. You mm. add in having equipment that matters and that you yes. can swap out depending on what you're fighting. Like oh, all man, of those we've things. So much, we've done so one. much. <laughs> well, it's been a year now. It's been a year. We've been working oh my god, on this. So that's so long. Obvious dump stat. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. No more dub stats. Things matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want things that matter. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. It's been an, it's an absolute pleasure. Yeah. yeah no, this is, this is delightful. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Apparently, I now have to read this to you.
This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I'm not going to, but yeah, I, I really shouldn't. What's up, Joe? Yeah, so... Okay, no. Okay. Oh, yes, that, 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 is, that is Hudson. He's very cute. Oh, oh Hudson, you've woken up. Hello, Hudson. Yes, guest appearance by a dog. Yeah. Yes. He usually appears on the podcast at some point. We have actual <laughs> listeners that listen just waiting for Hudson. <laughs> he's a very no, good I, I boy. Think... <laughs> he's no. not a very good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All dogs are very good. He's a, he's a bad boy. He, uh, uh, just don't mention the sofa. He no. has eaten He has eaten a sofa. Yeah. Like the whole it thing? Was one sofa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About <laughs> half an hour. It was quite impressive. <laughs>